Hello and welcome to the Lifestyle Podcast, a place where we talk about all things holistic living, personal growth, mindset, career, and more. Here we have open-minded conversations that will inspire you to lead with your intuition and go from dreaming to doing. I'm your host, Erin, and I cannot wait to share this journey with you. So let's hop on into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to a brand new episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by Kelsey Rydell. So she is a marketing and business coach and she created the Visionary Method. So she helps her clients take their big ideas, break them down into small manageable chunks and build businesses that generate revenue and that can scale. So if you're looking to start a business, if you're looking to narrow in down on, you know, your spark, your niche, and if you're looking to get into the world of marketing and getting your product or your service out there to the world, then you are going to love this episode. We touch on a lot of different points that are definitely going to inspire you to take some action and start bringing those big dreams that you have to life. One thing that I love about Kelsey and her visionary method is that she really does focus in on going deep before going wide. So really learning to just refine and simplify uh, before you know you take things even further because a lot of the times when we are visionary people when we have tons of ideas it's hard to just come back down to earth and focus on that one thing which we'll touch on a lot during this conversation so I had the pleasure of working with Kelsey earlier this year and I learned so 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 much from her and I really wanted to get her on the podcast so she could share some of her knowledge with all of you and I really hope that you're able to gain some value from it as well Uh, As always, too, at the end of the episode, I'll share some of my favorite takeaways and I will leave all of Kelsey's details in the show notes if you would like to connect with her. Other than that, let's hop on into today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for joining me today on the podcast. Typically, what I like to do just to start things off, I love, I'm obsessed with hearing people's career journeys and how they got to where they are in life, because a lot of the times it's just not a very linear thing. So I was wondering if you could just dive into letting us know a little bit about you and, you know, how you wound up where you are now. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and hanging out with your community. I think I'll I'll try to reflect on like the major milestones that happened over my journey, because I think for all of us, like when you really look back every month or every week of your life presents a new challenge, a new opportunity. And now looking back, I can connect all the dots, but obviously at the time I didn't know why all of these devastating things and changes were happening. So I guess my journey really starts when I was in university I was studying human resources and I thought, oh, I'm going to be an HR professional and I'm going to sit in an office and work for a big company. But as soon as I graduated, I was like, okay, something's not feeling right. I was watching all of my friends and all of my peers at school interview for jobs and landing these positions. But for some reason that just didn't excite me. And I guess I had like the wherewithal to be like, okay, maybe I won't follow that path, but I didn't know what to do instead. 
So I bought myself some time by going traveling for a year and finding work abroad. Uh, And then when I came back, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try something completely unrelated. I always had an interest in food and nutrition. So I enrolled myself at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, moved to Toronto and was like, all right, I'm going to build a new life here. So I graduated from nutrition school, started working with clients and realized as many holistic providers do that it's really hard to make a full-time living, especially when you don't know the business skills necessarily Mm -hmm. that are going to help you to be able to do your craft, which was nutrition. So that was when I thought, okay, you know what, if I'm going to run a successful nutrition business, I better go get some experience working in the corporate world, really seeing how like the inner workings of um, a company happen so that I can apply that to my own business. So long story short, I ended up finding some jobs with Canada's largest health food companies, one of our big grocery store chains. I got to work in marketing for them. I worked for a huge supplement company here in Canada um, and worked in marketing and sales for them. And I really got this, you know, great education, I'll call it, in what works when it comes to growing a brand, building a business. Uh, making sure that when a customer buys from you, they are a customer for life. So about 10 years spent in those corporate jobs. And finally, I hit my breaking point. I had been let go from a couple of jobs, which as I'm sure some of your listeners have been as well, it's devastating. And you're like, oh my God, like my career just got ripped away from me for business needs. And that's all they say. Mm -hmm. So that happened a couple of times. And finally, um, I found myself in, I think my third or fourth health food marketing job. And every day I went into work and I just felt like I had to be a shell of myself. Like I was dressing in clothes that I didn't want to be in anymore. I was presenting what I thought were wonderful ideas in how they could grow their brand in Canada. And I would always be shut down by um, the VP of the company. And he'd be like, that's a silly idea. That'll never work. But I'd be like, but I saw it work in my other jobs. So just kind of a mixture of things were starting to leave a bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth. And I thought, you know what? I've accumulated a ton of experience in this so-called corporate world. I was really unhappy every single day. I just, you know, was no longer motivated by the money or the benefits uh, or everything my parents kept telling me, stay at that job for these particular perks. And so I decided to figure it out. So I didn't just quit right away. Like I made sure that I had a plan. I saw a post on Facebook Somebody was looking for a marketing assistant and I thought, well, what the heck? I think I'll try going freelance. So I got my first client. I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but I was willing to figure it out. So I took her on as a client doing mostly social media and digital marketing and really just like trying to do an epic job for her so that she would recommend me to her friends, which eventually a few months down the line. She did. Um, And I still believe in that to this day. Like if you are, if you have a remarkable product, you will be referable. So I just did a great job for her, Um, ended up finding a few more freelance clients. And then a couple of years into that journey, like this is probably going to be the through line of this podcast is that things have changed a lot in the last. And I just kept listening to those little nudges. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along my freelance journey, I thought, 
oh my God, this is kind of similar to the corporate world because I was kind of a slave to these four or five clients. They were calling me at all hours of the day. Um, and you know, like just needing a lot out of me and I was maxed out for time. And I thought, okay, my dream was to be in business for myself. So what am I going to create for me? What is going to be that product? That's my own. Like, yes, I was self-employed, but I wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur because I wasn't building anything beyond those five clients that I did work for. And so that was when I took some time, went on a hike in Peru with my husband. Um, we did the Machu Picchu trek. And it was on that trip where I got this idea to bring together a like-minded community. And today it's called the Visionary Method. I just knew that I wanted to bring together people who dreamt of more in life, who had big ambitions like I did, who were open to change and evolution and always learning and always growing. And I came back from that trip. And that was the moment when I started a Facebook group. Uh, I think it was called the Visionary Co at the time. And I just started to bring together people who were interested in what I was building. And I started a podcast. And in addition to the freelance clients, I was just trying to build my own thing and really understand what do people want from me? What do they need from me? And one of the common threads between everybody who joined that community was that they really wanted to start a business, but they were scared or they didn't know what that first step was, or they were so unhappy in their corporate job like I once was, and they were looking for ways to escape but they had no idea what to do from there. And so I kind of like amalgamated all of my life experience, building my nutrition business, working in marketing for all of these brands, being a freelancer and building out a full-time income. And I decided to package it all up into one cohesive, uh, one-stop shop online course that people could come through when they had an idea and build it all the way into a profitable business, just as I had. So that was the beginnings of the visionary method. And today, about four years later, it has evolved into a lot more. But um, yeah, finally I figured out how to work for myself and do something that I truly love full time. That's an incredible story. And one thing that really stuck out to me is you saying, you know, you felt like you were almost still in the corporate world when you were working freelance because you're a slave to your clients. And that just, that hits home with me because I think a lot of people think like, oh, when you're freelance, you're working for yourself, you're doing your own thing. But a lot of the time it very much does feel like you still are kind of trapped in a way, having your own product or whether it's digital or whatever, that you're more in control of that, I guess. People are coming to you for that one thing, um, which I find to be really, really interesting. It's almost like you're taking your power back in a way and just yeah. really specializing in that one thing and building upon that to have that sustainable business rather than being the fast food menu of, I offer all of these things, come yeah. to me and I'll, I'll do everything for everyone. But I kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit. You mentioned that you did a traveling trip earlier on too. Do you find did you gain clarity in that trip as you did in the second one as well mm. um, in where to pivot? I definitely did. I don't know if I knew it at the time, but uh, we were working at a children's camp in Switzerland. So um, through that time, like I really wasn't thinking about the next move or where that job was going to take me. But one thing that I really learned about myself from living in Switzerland and from being surrounded 
uh, by like mountains and adventure was that that is actually a core value and just like a, a deep rooted character trait of what I need and who I am to thrive as a human being. Mm. So in my final corporate job, I realized that I had no adventure in my life. I didn't feel like this, like abundant energy of being in the mountains. I didn't feel like I was able to express myself as I once did as a camp counselor, running around with kids, hanging out with the other counselors, being goofy and coming up with games on the spot and being like very creative. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a moment when I worked for this one company. And especially as I was saying earlier, when the VP would often just shut down my crazy ideas that I truly thought were good, but he just didn't like them. And I just thought this isn't who I am. And it just felt like I was wearing a mask or that he needed me to like become a lot smaller. And now looking back on it, I realized like, oh, that is an entrepreneurial character trait. Uh, like somebody who is visionary and who gets ideas and who thinks outside of the box rather than inside of the box. So I think like one of the big learnings from traveling was that I do need that like expansive energy and space to be able to create. And that didn't come from sitting inside an office in downtown Toronto five days a week, 365 days a year, it actually like shut that part of me down. Mm -hmm. And I think that just goes to show like any experience you take in life, any action you take in life does sort of lead to some sort of clarity in some form or another, like you just realizing like, oh, I need adventure in my life. And this, I'm not so aligned in this area of my life with that value that I have. And I think a lot of the times when people do feel stuck in life, it's because you're doing the same things every single day over and over and over again, and you never experience something else or even realize where you may be out of alignment. And you wonder like why you could be feeling unhappy in your life. But if you just even try new things, go for a walk, a different route in your neighborhood, like anything just to get some sort of, I don't know, difference within your life can lead you somewhere you have no idea could even lead you. So I I really like to hear that. I'm curious because you get a lot of clients and people that come to you now who are, you know, who do have the big ideas or they are stuck in a corporate job or they're stuck doing something where they don't feel 100% aligned and they, they want something more or they do feel stuck in just what they're doing. What kind of like advice do you give people to find that like spark of clarity or find near, like niche down and figure out what it is that they can do to make themselves, make themselves a, a oh, I can't speak right now, <laughs> make themselves a business <laughs> out of something. Totally. And I, mm-hmm. I think so many people are in that spot right now of just wondering like, what is that next step? And what I always say to clients or just people who ask me, like, how did you find your thing? Or how do you know, like what to devote your life's purpose to? You will never have full clarity. You just need to decide and take action. Like I did not know where this business would go. I did not know that while hiking in Peru, listening to the new Justin Bieber album at the time that he would say the word visionary. And that would turn into this mega business now that I run, but I followed that little nudge. Like I came home and because of that song, and I'm not even kidding, I started the group, the visionary co on Facebook. And so what I would say to that person is like, really pay attention as you move through your day, what brings you joy? What lights you up? What 
um, gives you that feeling of just like, I'm truly being myself and I'm not pretending to be someone I am not. And it's those little tiny pings. It's when you're reading a book and you read a sentence that resonates with you. It's when you hear a song and all of a sudden, like there's a word inside of it. It's this series of like baby, baby steps in terms of building a business. And I think you just need to be mindful of paying attention. Okay, well, what are those little pings I am getting? And what is the smallest thing that I can do to test that idea? Like to put it back to the universe and say, well, are people interested in this? So perhaps for somebody who really wants to start a coffee shop, like they want to open a coffee shop in their neighborhood. Well, maybe they've never really realized when, um, you know, they come to you feeling stuck, they're constantly hanging out in a coffee shop. They feel really happy when they're reading their book in a coffee shop. Like those are little nudges, right? And then what I would say for somebody who's thinking, well, could I really make that into a business? Keep a little diary or a document beside you and ask your neighbors like, hey, are you happy with the coffee shop down the road? Because they have terrible service. Hear what they say. Start doing some market research. Stand outside the coffee shop. See how many people go in on a daily basis. What do they come out with? And honestly, like nothing Nothing happens in an overnight success manner. I feel like it is always the compound effect of like tiny, tiny steps and starting to get validation that, hey, people might want this from me. And hey, my best friend said she's been looking for a coach who could help her with this and I can offer that. Uh, so I think it really is just starting to know yourself more. And uh, one of my first business mentors said to me, like, entrepreneurship is the greatest journey of self-discovery. And I stand mm -hmm. by that today. The more you can know yourself and listen to your thoughts and catch those little things that are bringing you joy, um, the easier it's going to be for you to unleash that and, and share it with the world. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times too, we think we need to like fully reinvent the wheel or like do something crazy different that nobody's ever done before. I feel like you just need to do your thing, but do it just a little bit better. Like it doesn't have to be like, you know, starting from scratch, but yeah, if you just take like that thing that you are passionate about, see how everybody else is doing it. Sure. But like, what's your little spin on it? You don't have to like build the house completely from the foundation up like there's obviously other people out there doing something similar right now but we all have that like unique spark within us that makes that draws people to whatever it is that we're doing and if you have that passion behind it it is going to shine through exactly and I think that that often goes um untalked about like people think in order to be an entrepreneur I have to create something that nobody's ever created before or I have to have a one in a million idea and yes that's one way to work for yourself or become successful but the other way is to identify an area of opportunity so as you go about your day and you realize that the frozen pizza you just took out of the oven is not very good and you could make it better. Just think like, what is that slight edge that I would have over this pizza? And then go to the supermarket and see if any of the other frozen pizzas are doing that. So it's all about positioning essentially. Like how could you position your service or your product slightly different, making it slightly better than what's currently available. And as soon as you nail that down, 
you have massive opportunity because people are always looking for better. They're always looking for different. And if you have something to offer them, um, then you have a spot in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think we are just like, we're too hard on on ourselves sometimes to think like it really does have to be this crazy extravagant thing when it can just be, you know, that slight difference that is going to really set you apart from the crowd. And, you know, when you are, when you do have that passion behind it, it just really, really does shine through. So you were mentioning earlier too how you started off in like the health and wellness space and then you kind of did a full 180 and are now in marketing and business coaching. I wanted to touch on transitioning within your career, which I think is very common in today's day and age. I mean, back 20, 30 years ago, people sat in one job forever and that's just how it was. But I think today people are very multi-passionate and enjoy trying new things or really want to find, you know, that spark within them and what, what really lights them up. And I'm the kind of person who thinks like that, that isn't one thing forever. Like I love dabbling in different things and exploring different areas. And I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. Like you do something for, you know, five years, 10 years or so. And you're like, okay, this isn't me anymore. I've changed as a person. I don't really align with this anymore. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next. And I, I was hoping you could dive a little bit deeper on your experience sort of making a transition like that within your career and how you, I don't know, got the courage, I guess, to make the switch and felt confident enough in, in your services to be able to make that switch as well. Oh goodness. That's <laughs> like, it kind of like makes me emotional thinking about that topic because I, I do feel like in the world maybe that you and I play in, it is more normal to be multi-passionate and make transitions. And we are not our parents' generation who generally um, got in a job and stayed at it until retirement. But even I think to my sister, who's just four years older than me, and her and all her friends, they very much are of that path more similar to my parents' generation, which is just get the job like with the lawyer title or the doctor title, whatever it is, and then just carry that through the whole way. And so I know that like it's becoming more normal, but I still want to um, kind of like empathize with anyone who is making a transition right now. You might feel like the black sheep of your family. You might feel like the one who everyone looks at and is like, when are they going to figure their shit out? Or (laughs) when are they just going to like get that job and like build out their retirement fund? And that's exactly how I felt uh, five years ago when I was talking to my parents, telling them like, I think I want to make a shift here. And I think I have these other ideas that I'd like to activate on. You know, I was met with so much resistance, whether it was people telling me, using their words saying, no, you probably shouldn't do that. Like you've got a great job, stay with it. Or whether it was just the lack of interest. Like as soon as you start to um, like show up in different ways or build out a new project, you'll have people that are very interested, but the majority of people just won't ask you anything because they're like, well, there she goes again. Um, So I guess the first thing that I would say for anyone who is making that transition is don't be surprised if you don't feel a lot of support around you because 
your family and your friends, they want you to be safe. They want you to be well. And so when you pick up and decide to start something with a minimal amount of risk, people are going to try to pull you away from the ledge and say, just stay in your little box. You'll be a lot better that way. The other reason why they might do that is because they want to make a change so bad, but they don't have the courage. And when they see somebody else making the leap, when they see someone else making a transition, it's actually a mirror back to them that you're doing something that they've only ever dreamed of. And you just have the the courage or, you know, that level of risk tolerance that allows you to do it. But what gets reflected back is like, they're not supportive of me. They're not even asking me about my business. And they might like slip in a couple sly comments. Um, The other thing I would say is, you know, on top of that, like there might be a few months or a few years when people don't quite get why you made the transition. But as soon as you prove to them that you are going to be successful or that you you have some version of success, everybody will be like, oh, like we always knew you could do it. And like, so those comments are there, but it takes a long time for people to um, like have the same belief in you that you need to have for yourself. So I guess like in wrapping that up, I would just say you have to believe in yourself more than anybody else ever will. And even if you feel like you're the only one who is supportive of your decision, keep going because it's not your family or friend's duty to be your cheerleader. Like You have to be your own cheerleader in the hard days um, and people will rally around you eventually. It just takes time and, and they want to pull you back to safety, even if it's not in your best interest, because maybe there's some sort of feelings that it stirs up there. A hundred percent. That's really good advice. I remember even back when I started blogging, which was in 2014. So it was still like nobody, people were doing it, but it wasn't like as much of a thing as it is now. And I remember I started and I was so scared to like tell my friends and stuff like that, that I was doing it because I was posting on Instagram and all this stuff. And I remember so many people at the start were just like, what are you doing? Like (sighs) just questioning it, like not really sure. But a few years later, when they were seeing like all these like cool opportunities I was getting and things that were coming through from my blog. Everyone was like, Oh, so cool what you're doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, if I had to listen to those people at the start, would I have continued? Like, I don't know. And then you just never, you know, you have to follow your heart at the end of the day and just do what you're going to do and not fear so much other people's opinions or putting yourself out there because only you know in your heart like what's true to you and mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself to follow through on that because at the end of the day like it's not your friends lives it's not your parents it's not your your family's lives that that it's your life that you have to live for yeah and they yeah. might not understand it now but as you said you know maybe years down the line they'll understand or you know if all burns to the ground at least you learned a valuable lesson in life at the same time too absolutely and i think a lot of people they are so used to just listening to the noise of the world that they've forgotten how to listen to themselves and mm-hmm. i think like the the closer we can get to just being able to tune into that inner voice and shutting down all of the extra chatter, the more incredible our life can be because then we're living for us and we're making decisions out of 
how you want to live versus how society wants you to live. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I was just telling you even before we started recording that I've taken like a few weeks off Instagram uh, recently. And it's just been so refreshing not to be so bombarded by what everybody else is doing. And I find that is when the most clarity starts coming through because I was going through a very confusing stage of what I wanted to do with myself and just seeing what everybody else is doing really starts clouding your own vision. And you're like, Oh, well, maybe I should be doing that. Or they seem to be successful in doing that. But when you really quiet down, turn off the social media channels and, you know, bring out your journal, go sit somewhere outside, figure it out for yourself, what you want to do. And like ideas just start pouring through because you're not so influenced. I was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about the different generations and anxiety and mental health studies between the different generations and it goes like down from like millennials to gen z and when they look at like gen z their mental health like just spikes because they're the first generation who has grown up really with you know technology at their fingertips and you know do they even like it's so much harder to just know how to just be with yourself when you have that access to distraction at your fingertips 24 seven, it's so much harder to get in touch with yourself because our phones Mm -hmm. are addicting things. Like that's how they are designed. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. I'm so into all that stuff. I find it so fascinating, but I think it's a real, real skill to just be able to tune things out nowadays. And I know I've gotten, you know, sucked into the whole digital world, my fair share, but you'll never gain the full clarity on what it is that you want until you step away for a minute. Yeah. One thing that I started doing a couple of years ago, and I do it every year as like a community challenge in January, mm-hmm. uh, is getting down to following zero people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I find that like, it's really weird that we have all these social media accounts and we don't often cleanse them, but yet we cleanse our bodies once in a while by like, you know, eating whole foods or doing a a fast, or we purge things from our house. But I realize like we never purge our social media. And I think a lot of people are scared to like, well, what if that person doesn't like me if I unfollow them? So I like to do it as a community challenge for the reason of like, just getting rid of kind of that toxic energy, but also to keep your following or your followers at zero for a bit so that you can have clarity and time and space to actually think about what you want your year to look like. So I'll just go through a challenge where you like cover up, you go to all the people you follow, cover up their faces, and then just click the unfollow button until there's no more times. And then you follow zero people and then consciously add them back and only refollow people who bring you joy or who add value to your life. So that's just a, like a little principle that I like to live by. I love that. So refreshing. And it like, I've had my social media accounts since I started my blogging in like 2014 and I haven't really gone through and cleansed much since then. It's like totally. you change so much as a person over time too. So yeah. Are the people you're following, like, do they even reflect who you are at this moment? Or are you just scared you're yeah. going to offend someone if you unfollow them? <laughs> exactly. And the reason why I think go down to zero is so that like, even when you unfollow your friends and family, it's like, oh no, but I just had to go back down to ground zero. So you're not being selective. It's just a clean slate. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. 
I love that. So I want to go back to talking a little bit more about business and just like get like the getting started portion, because as we mentioned, like a lot of your clients come to you when they are in the building stages. So we have like this big, beautiful idea, or we have lots of big, beautiful ideas um, as the visionaries all do. So how can we niche down a little bit, figure out what we want to do and build that one offer? Because one thing I really like about your coaching style and what you do with your clients is the fact that you really build on the, on one offer. Like it's not mm. the fast food menu of like, hold the pickles, add extra fries, do all this. It's really mm. like, no, this is the burger we offer. If you don't like it, you know, there's a hundred million other people out there that you can work with and really getting specific um, with who you want to work with, because that has been an incredible challenge for myself, like feeling like, oh, I can't, you know, everyone's my client, like I can help everybody. But I think in the end, that really just drives you crazy. (laughs) Because you're just doing it all, you don't have that like refined system in place. So yeah, how can we niche down a little bit and start building upon that one idea to make like that one beautiful offer that people can't refuse? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. That is one of the things that over time I learned was like a a magic wand for success was not having so many offers, but actually becoming a subject matter expert with one very clear offer and doing it really, really well and gathering, you know, 10, 20, 50, a hundred testimonials on that one thing before you ever start to branch out. And I'll give credit where credit is due. One of my first marketing mentors, Dean Jackson, he told me dominate in one industry before you ever move on to the next and dominate with one product in that industry, like prove that you have something wonderful, something remarkable, Otherwise, if you launch with, you know, three or five different things, you're actually causing decision fatigue for your audience. You're causing confusion. Um, And something else that we talk about, like in the business and marketing world is friction. Like if you've ever gone into a store where there's just like a zillion products on the wall and you can't find what you're looking for, we would call that friction because all of a sudden there's a barrier, like something causing distress between you and making a purchase and pulling out your credit card. And so I think when uh, people start businesses, they often think, well, I need to create a small version of my product and a medium-sized version of my product and the large VIP experience. And then I'm going to have all these $19 offers for the people who can't afford it. But then I also want to do this like annual membership and an ebook. Well, the truth is like you're causing so much friction for somebody who's coming to you to get results. They just want you to prescribe the right pill, right? When you go to the doctor and you tell them your symptoms, you're looking for an answer from them. The doctor never says back to you, well, I have this brand of a medication or I have this brand or there's this one, but it takes a bit longer. Or would you like to go with the premium? We can order that in from Austria. You would just sit there and be like, wait, I came to you because you've studied for years and years to tell me which pill, which medication is going to solve my really complicated problem, right? It's the same with starting a business. So people are going to start to gather and start to want your expertise. So it's up to you as the business owner to create the best 
version of your offer, the one that delivers results. And you should know like how that needs to be packaged up in order to get people the quickest and best results. So in order to keep your business simple, to be able to start growing and scaling, I always suggest like identifying a very, very specific problem that you are trying to solve. And so I always take my clients through this exercise where we list out like, what are the challenges that your dream client is facing? And then identify on the other end, where do they want to be? Like if they could imagine their dream come true future, like what does that look like? And then it is our responsibility as new business owners to create one boat. The boat is going to drive them from where they are now to where they want to be. And it doesn't matter if that is like a a speedboat or if it's a canoe, they don't care how long it takes, but they're looking to you for that specific recommendation of what kind of vehicle or boat is going to get them from their problems to the best possible solution. And that should be done with one product, one iteration of it. And yes, people are going to come to you and say, do you have something cheaper? Yes. They're going to come to you saying like, is there something, you know, that has more support and sure you could create that for them, but I promise you the easiest way to find success in your first one to three years is to really simplify so that you can scale that up and really refine the product and make it the best possible product ever. Mm-hmm. And it also helps because the beginning stages of a business, I mean, you can feel like a complete scatterbrain and you don't really have your systems in place or anything like that. So if you do just focus in on, okay, this is what I'm going to be offering and take on one client at a time and just run them through the method that you've created. And then it's like, you start to learn where the flaws are, where things are working well, and you can refine and make things better each time around. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you start expanding your products because yeah, I'm definitely one of those people who I'm like, oh, I want to do this, 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 this. I'm going to have all of this and it all needs to be perfect and it needs to be set up and ready for launch day. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's hard to come back down to earth. <laughs> totally. And like, I think, you know, that is our nature as visionaries. We get all of these ideas, but I think in order to stay on track and to really build something into like a a bigger entity, uh, it does require focus and intention and not spreading yourself so thin all of the time. So I just like to shelf those ideas for later. Um, And if it's still with me months later, then I think, how can I incorporate this into the product I already have and just make it better rather than launching another product or another product? It's like, why don't I just like really take care of the people that are already with me and improve the product that I've already built? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to Stephen Bartlett. He has a podcast diary of a CEO. It's really, really good. Okay. Um, but he literally talks about the same thing. He had a little Q and a on recently where someone was basically saying, you know, they're multi-passionate. They have ideas every which way in different, you know, completely different fields as well. And he said, you have to pick one thing because <laughs> if you are dividing your energy across all of these different areas, you're not giving a hundred percent into something you're giving 30% percent here, 20% there, you know, sprinkled all around and you're, you're only going to get 30% back from that area that you're putting from. You're never going to get hundred percent back. And he said, one of the things that he does when he has all the ideas coming to him is he has a little note in his phone where he'll just write, you know, ideas for later. 
Yeah. And just really like have that tunnel vision on what it is that you're trying to accomplish because, you know, the world is our oysters, but we can't, we can't do it all, even though it may seem like everybody on social media is doing it all these days. But I think the really successful people have honed in on whatever it is that they're really good at. And then, you know, go from there and then slowly build out. It's the go deep and then start going wide mentality. And I want to add something too, like when you find yourself on social media thinking like, oh, that person has it all together, or you get in that comparisonitis trap. Just remember that when you see someone thriving in one area of their life, like maybe they're living on a beach right now, running their business virtually, they are suffering in another area. Like there is this dichotomy always happening in every human being's life that if you're thriving and you're really excelling in one area, it's likely because something had to be let go or something is slipping or something back at home isn't good. So just like always remember that when you get trapped into thinking that person has it all together, there is always like this interplay of when something's going really well, something's being neglected. Mm, It's so, so true. I completely agree with that. And it's very easy to feel like everybody else has it all figured out. But also the reality is too, you don't know, especially when you're just starting out, because you are usually a one person show at the beginning and you could be comparing yourself to someone who has a full team of people helping them with things. So you can't compare your, you know, stepping stone A to somebody else's stepping stone F, G, C, <laughs> totally. D all the way near the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just speaking on that, you know, like feeling like we need to be everywhere all the time too. What do you feel like, like, where should we hone in? Like, what should be the top priority um, for like business and marketing in the get-go when we are still that one person show and we feel overwhelmed, we feel like we need to be on TikTok, on Instagram reels, on, you know, every which platform um, in order to be quote unquote successful. Like, where do you feel like at the start is the best place to put your time and energy? Yeah. Uh, kind of as a twofold answer. So I would first think that you want to fill out some sort of like target market or dream client avatar and really understand like when your dream clients have 20 minutes free in a day, where are they giving their attention? When they pick up their phone, what apps are they opening? When they go to their inbox, what content are they very much gravitating towards? So really just put yourself in their shoes and understand where they're spending their time. And if you don't know, ask your dream client, say, which social media apps are you loving right now? Write them down. Or what newsletters are you subscribed to that you always open when you get them? Write that down. So I would say first, you need to do that. Really get into the brain of your dream client. The next thing I would say in terms of like where you should be showing up, it's going to be different for everyone, but I always suggest starting with the one in five method. So the one in five method is essentially creating one piece of long form content every single week. So long form content could be like a blog post. It could be like a podcast, like you're hosting. It could be a YouTube video. It could be an email newsletter that you curate each week. So that would be an example of a long form piece of content you put it together once a week. And then I want you to think of five ways to distribute that content on other platforms, platforms that love that short, simple content. So say you do a weekly podcast, that's your long form content. You may decide then that your five 
is you're going to send out a snippet of the podcast with a link to the show. You're going to post a little teaser on Instagram. You're going to do some talking stories on Instagram stories of who your guest was and what amazing stuff you talked about. You're going to share a post on Twitter and you're going to post it in a local Facebook group. Um, and it doesn't all have to be social media. There's many other creative ways for you to share it, but operating on that one in five and choosing like, what are those? First of all, you get to choose the long form version and then also choose which like five platforms do you feel comfortable distributing it on based on where your dream client is hanging out, but also like where you enjoy creating on because as business owners, as content creators, if you're feeling like a lot of resistance to TikTok, for example, or you just don't feel like very aligned on the platform, it's just not bringing you joy. There are so many other places that you can market your business. Uh, so go show up there instead um, and make sure those five ways you are feeling excitement about creating on that platform. So that would be the simplest way. And then I would say to that every single month, track how you're doing, like, have a basic document where you write down, well, how many followers do I have on Instagram? Is it growing? How much engagement did I get on LinkedIn? Did it grow over last month? So just keep some basic data. And if something is just declining and you're not seeing any growth, try a new way to distribute the content and always be experimenting as a marketer. Mm, I love that little one in five rule because I think you know, a lot of people feel on social media, you need to be constantly like creating something new. And it's just like this vicious cycle of, you know, posting every single day or you're irrelevant, but how can you totally. do maybe one deeper, more thoughtful, very value driven piece of content and break it into little bite-sized chunks and sprinkle it into all the, the other little apps and areas, because yes. I'm a huge fan of longer form content. Like I love YouTube. I love podcasts. That's where I spend most of my time because I love feeling like I've learned something. Yeah. And yeah, I recently heard the comparison to of like longer form content versus the shorter form as the shorter form is more like that fast food kind of diet. It's just like quick and you might not get so as much true. value from it, but you know, it's fun. It's entertaining. Whereas the long form, it's something that you're typically like feeding your brain with, you know, yeah. feeding your mind. Um, and I, I just really liked that. <laughs> I, I love interesting. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like when you're feeding your brain and feeding your mind, like that is the long game and that is stuff that like sticks with us and that supports the longevity of our health. That's exactly how I feel about, uh, creating new content for my blog or for my website each week, because it's supporting this long game of Google pulling me up and like putting me on page one when people Google search, but with Instagram, it's like, people just want the dopamine hit. And then all of a sudden the algorithm changes. And it's like me just grabbing a late night set of fries instead of having the healthy dinner. <laughs> exactly. And also too, like with apps like Instagram, like it's just gone within 24 hours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sure people with their landing on your profile, they're scrolling for a little bit, but otherwise people just see it and it's on to the next, on to the next. Whereas if you are thinking, long-term, longer game that is, you know, creating those really SEO friendly blog posts yeah. that are going to always live on Google or having, you know, mm -hmm. the things that are much more evergreen that people can always find. Cause I feel like it's nice to diversify a little bit and be on different platforms, because if you are just putting all your eggs yeah. in an Instagram basket, I mean, that is really hard to keep up with. And it's not so much 
evergreen things that people can search on Google and find. It just kind of gets lost within your profile after a certain point in time. So finding, yeah, the longer form that works for you and then also having fun and being creative with the the quicker apps where you can sprinkle your message across as well. Yeah, exactly. I would love if you could share with us, like, where can we find you online? What platforms are you, you know, really digging and that you're the most active on and how could we book to work with you? Yeah. So I think the best places to find me are uh, similar to you. I have a podcast that I love hosting. So visionary life is the podcast. So I love your podcast too. (laughs) Thank you. We interview mostly Canadian entrepreneurs and hear the stories, the journeys, just the real talk of how they got to where they are. So a great variety of online business owners, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, um, and just honestly visionary people who have a story to share. So that's that podcast. Um, Also launched another podcast that specifically focuses on marketing. So for anyone listening who has a business who is perplexed by marketing, uh, we recently launched the marketing hotline to be a resource for all things building your business and coming up with a marketing plan. Uh, So those are two ways you can get to know me and get to know my work. And then I'm quite active on Instagram as well. So I'm just at Kelsey Rydell and you can find all of the links to my work from there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. This was a very great conversation. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's conversation. As always, I love to share a few of my favorite takeaways from each episode. So one of my favorite takeaways from today's episode with Kelsey was what is your slight edge? You don't always have to reinvent the wheel with whatever it is that you're doing, but how can you make, for example, that frozen pizza a little bit better than all of the other frozen pizzas out there? It's really all about positioning. And if you have that passion and that spark behind it, then that is going to shine through. Another one of my favorite takeaways is as difficult as it is to be the black sheep amongst your family or amongst your friends, it's important to follow your truth and do what you need to do when you are making transitions within your life. You have to believe in yourself more than anyone else will and really be your own biggest cheerleader. Another takeaway I loved is when you're building your business or your product, what is it that you want to be that expert in? What is that one thing that people are going to come to you because you are so good in that area? You don't want to be that doctor, you know, offering your patients a hundred different medications and expecting them to choose from it when you know you should be going to that expert so you be the expert within your field and just own it and that's what people will come to you for I also loved the takeaway of you do not need to be everywhere all the time especially if you're just a one person show figure out where your target market is and really hone into that and create you know the one and five create that one piece of longer form content that's really value driven and then how can you break that up into five smaller chunks and sprinkle it across the other areas yeah those are my favorite takeaways feel free to let me know yours as well you can connect with me over on instagram at erin elizabeth and i will leave all of kelsey's details in the show notes so you can connect with her as well she is an amazing human being and full of knowledge when it comes to marketing and business coaching But other than that, I will catch you in the next episode.